0: I'm Visha's wife, and remember, when you name a dog Janet or Timothy, you are dragging humanity down just a little bit.
1: No Age is an inventive, noisy rock band consisting of longtime friends Randy Randall and Dean Allen Spunt, who are based in Los Angeles, California. Since 2005, No Age has released countless singles and EPs, and six albums, including three for Sub Pop Records. Since 2018, No Age has been working with Drag City Records, who released their latest album on September 16, 2022. It's called *People Helping People* and it prompted Randy and I to connect for a great talk about life in Southern California and a fond memory of No Age playing one of their last pre-pandemic shows in frigid Edmonton, Alberta, taking five-minute flights throughout New Zealand. How Ian MacKay, Fugazi, and Discord Records were a massive early influence on him and Dean. Why Sonic Youth's musical freakouts altered him and inspired more than a few experiments with electricity, the sound and process behind making People Helping People, which is the first self-produced No Age album ever, upcoming tour dates, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash Control. With additional support from Blackbird Music, a well-stocked record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and friendly staff who will happily help you find whatever it is you're looking for. Say you want the new No Age album, People Helping People. Well, you just go over there to blackbird.ca and contact them and see if they can get you a copy of that. I bet they can. Oh, plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario and granddad's donuts in hamilton ontario this is episode 717 of creative control featuring the lovely and talented randy randall from no age with your host me vishkana
0: i'll stand by. i got locked out of the moon Waited all till you were through. I can't wait. I just can't wait. I can't wait. I just
1: can't wait. Hi, Randy. How's it going?
2: Good, Vish, How you doing?
1: I'm very well, thank you. Uh, I'm in Edmonton, Alberta, in
2: uh, the country of Canada. Uh, where,
1: where, <laughs>
2: where in the world are you today? I am in um, uh, Southern California, uh, just north of uh, uh, the you know the city of Los Angeles, and um, it's very hot here. We are having a, a heat wave, record heat wave.
1: Oh, yes, yeah. I actually just spoke with another California resident uh, for my show uh, just uh, yesterday. As as we're speaking, as people are hearing this, it's not yesterday, but as yep. you and I are speaking, Randy, it was yesterday, and they didn't talk about the heat. They just said they hated the weather this week. So the whole week has been bad. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just kind of, yeah, just sort of everything got, got hot and then even got humid, which is unusual for Southern California. We always like to mm-hmm. say, well, oh, it's a dry heat, 110 dry heat. is right. Not as bad as 110 wet heat.
1: I Is so. it? Oh, sorry, I know that's true. Of uh, That used to be a joke, a running joke about, like, Arizona, the arid mm-hmm. desert areas. California is by the ocean. I would think it would be humid. You're saying it's not normally humid?
2: No, not normally. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a special zone uh, within about, uh, I don't know, uh, 10 miles of the beach where it's always 20 degrees cooler. I and then and, and the houses are also about 10 million dollars more expensive in that uh-huh. area. <laughs> yeah, And then and, and everything past that is more or less, uh, you know, a uh, um a desert ish climate. What did we call it? Oh, uh, we had a, a, a native plant person out to our, our house and we she just called it. It's a chaparral landscape ah. is what it's actually called. So oh. it's a, it's, it's, it's a type of desert. It's a high desert kind of feeling.
1: I see. Okay. So, now how long have yeah. you lived? Uh, I think you said North of Los Angeles. How long have you lived yeah. in, how long have you lived in that area?
2: Yeah. We're just coming up on 10 years. My wife and I, uh, bought a house up here, just kind of a little bit out of, out, out of the city, up in the Hills. And, um, yeah, it's been about 10 years. We got two kids, I've got a 3-year-old and an 8-year-old. So we sort of planned to uh, to start a life here and now and life is is progressing. <laughs> life Whoa, is happening.
1: That sounds uh, that sounds lovely. I have two children as well, uh, 11 and 7. So kind of close. Oh my gosh. Similar yeah, yeah. age range. You got I guess you got 5 years, I got 4. Yeah, it's yeah. uh it's something. Where did you move to Los Angeles from? <laughs>
2: so I grew up in the inland Empire area of southern California which is about an hour maybe an hour and a half outside of the major metropolitan area it's sort of um, again more desert um, suburbs uh, la doesn't really ever stop till you till you here uh, for miles and miles the the, the sprawl of, of humanity just goes on and on you go from one small enclave to another without there really being any known borders you yeah. know just sort of streams of houses go on for hours and hours yeah. in southern california so i was you know just off so we, we use the freeway names to kind of delineate you know which where what areas you're where you're at on the map where you're at on the grid yes and so our freeway was the, the 60 freeway which put us you know out closer towards um pomona and riverside which is uh, fontana which is kind of uh, you, like I said you know you, you have the 10 million dollar houses by the beach then you have the you know sort of metropolitan zone and then as you get further out California becomes pretty much like the rest of middle uh, America, yeah. you know, uh, in, in my case growing up, it was, you know, pickup trucks and, and, you know, Limp Bizkit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where the, you know, there's a sort of known Southern California, cool guy, you're progressive. Everybody's, you know, movie stars. Look, well, no, no, the movie stars are out there. They're at the water. Yeah. And then the people that work for a living for the studios live in the metropolitan area. And then you get out to the suburbs and everybody's just like everyone else. We grew up with all the bad, the bad fashion, the bad political views, the bad, you know, influences of, of, sort of middle America that the worst the parts you think are the worst of it right you know we have it here in California as well
1: it's not all glitz glamour and liberalism is what you're saying
2: Right, that's a great way of saying. It. But you know, there was a lot of diversity, which I do think was I think where we do differ from other parts of um, of the American sort of uh, populace. Um, yeah. Even out there, we, we had there was a blue ribbon school, which would mean like a, a well regarded education system in my town, mm-hmm. and I think that brought a lot of diversity in um, in immigrant parents. Like I mentioned, you know, there was there was you know kids of you know of, of uh, Indian and, and Pakistani descent, as well as you know Chinese, Taiwanese, Filipino. And then, as well as just you know, um, Mexican American sort of population. Nice. So, so that I, I do, I do give our our little enclave, um, you know, credit for for being a very diverse and f- fairly you, you know harmonious um, mix, melting pot.
1: Yeah, I was I was asking my uh, as I, the aforementioned California guests about what they thought of living there, and uh, they mostly had uh, good things to say. I was saying that we tend to, from the outside, uh, tend to see it as a pretty progressive state. Uh, that does really uh, interesting stuff and it challenges the status quo in terms of uh, you know environmental measures and things like that. Uh, however, they did say socioculturally, it's a bit of a mess. Uh, there's a huge, mm. huge problem with unhoused people and and those sorts of things that aren't really addressed or discussed as much. and uh, so it sounds to me uh, not to be uh, reductive, but that does sound like basically everywhere. Uh, there's great parts about it. Um, well, sorry, that can't be true. Not everywhere has great parts about it, but there are, what I'm hearing from you and I think from that uh, guest, there there are a lot of great things to celebrate about where you live, uh, but there are problems. And yeah. I mean, the other thing I, I often hear, you mentioned all the freeways and highways, often hear it's not a very, uh, it's definitely not a walkable place per se, but I also hear it's not really a drivable place because it's so congested and <laughs> the transit system isn't great. Is any of that check out for you?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, growing up, you know, out in the suburbs, the car culture and cars were a vital part of my, um, you know, my ascendancy into adulthood or my, you know, matriculation into adulthood. Maybe I didn't really ascend. I just (laughs) stumbled from one stage of life into the next. But cars as a teenager were sort of your form of freedom. Mm -hmm. All right. Got the license or your friends have a car. Maybe if you don't have it, you become a 15. Someone gets a learner's permit or you're. Fourteen, fifteen, and you're older you have friends who are older who are 16 and then now you're off and you're zipping around and you it's like the the gates are open wide this is also pre cell phone pre social media where you know or gps or tracking yeah. this kind of techno- technological uh, surveillance um but anyway, we, you know, it was fairly, we ran kind of loose, you know, we had the cars and now we just were off and about. And I was, and for me, the big part of that, which probably gets us closer to our, our uh, topic of, of, of the day, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a city planner or, um, uh, you know, a social, socioeconomic uh, uh, expert in any way. But once I got cars and friends got cars, we got to start going to shows. Absolutely. And Same. that's where I was really yeah. exposed to music yeah. and stuff. And so that was the kind of the big, the big aha moment. And it was really due to. You know, uh, our, our car system here that we all, you know, the teenagers had cars and we were going to go see live music. And that really changed my oh, life. Oh, 100%. Really put me on a path. Yeah. A path that was where I'm at now, you know, playing music. Um, so, but yeah, it was huge. It was huge for us, you know, getting in the cars, dri- driving out. You didn't even know who was playing the shows, but it was something to do, somebody knew somewhere or backyard parties or something. And so I, was, I would jump in a lot of cars with skateboards and, um, you know, a baseball hat on and just see where I ended up.
1: A hundred percent. I can't really begrudge car culture in that regard either, uh, because growing up, I grew up in Ontario. I grew up in Cambridge, Ontario, which is about an hour nowadays. Depending on traffic, it can be four hours from Toronto, but it should be about an hour and 15 minutes from Toronto. And yeah, as soon as we had cars, uh, we would go there for shows or we didn't. Cambridge didn't have good record stores. We'd have to go to like the university towns nearby, Kitchener, Waterloo, Guelph. And so that's where a record store is huge for me as well. Uh, so, yeah, I can't really begrudge it. To your point, I didn't feel free as a musician, as a music fan, until we could drive around. Um, so, yeah, it sucks. I guess what I'm saying is we have ruined the planet with our luxury <laughs> recreational uh, you know, pursuits, and uh, now uh, no one does it as much or something. I don't know. I have no idea. Anyway, to your point, let's get to no age, because there's going to be people listening uh, and even people talking to you right now who don't know the full story about the origin story of No Age? Uh, and uh, and before I go too much further, congratulations on this wonderful new record. People helping people, which we've kind of alluded to a little bit, sort of in community community. Yes, yes thinking. What?
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing I'll say just before we, yes, we get, sure. we open we open that chapter of the book. I do want to say, um, uh, we, the last show or second to last show we played prior to the pandemic and the lockdown as was in Edmonton.
0: Oh, are you kidding we me? A,
2: we played a great festival in Edmonton. No, we were, we, we came up for three shows in Calgary and then we, uh, we had rented a car or the, or the, the promoters rented a car for us. And We played Calgary, and then we drove up to Edmonton. Oh
1: wow, I didn't know that.
2: And then and then drove and then drove back to Calgary, and that was the day that uh, Kobe Bryant. Oh. I remember, like, we stopped off at a at a health food store to get a coffee and a vegan pastry or something, and we looked and we saw our phones, like, "Oh no, Kobe had just died." So that was January of 2020. Oh, see so you, and huh. then. Uh, yeah, so we had just been up there. So, yeah, so I think about Edmonton quite a lot when we're booking shows. Now, we haven't really played a proper show since then. We've done some, some kind of uh, impromptu sort of, you know, house party things and, and jams with friends. Yeah. But um, but not a proper sort of, you know, uh, uh, I would say professional rock and roll show. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, Edmonton was great. I'm very happy you brought that up
1: because I've been feeling a little self-conscious. Uh, we moved here uh, basically January 2020 from Ontario. Wife's from here. Uh, originally a family, her parents and brothers are all here and all that kind of thing and jobs beckoned and the housing uh, market was, uh, prohibitive where we were and blah, blah, blah. So we moved here January, 2020, instantly a pandemic. Almost. I got to go to oh. some, was the festival you played, was it called like Winter winterruption or something? Do you remember what it was called? The one that
2: sounds about right yeah. I, I feel a little I, it's probably there's a google yeah, yeah, yeah. um, solution yeah, to this yeah. but uh but yeah we, it was a great show in a big um in a big uh kind of brick building where was up on the second story there was a cool kind of pub and tavern down on the bottom story okay and um that's cool and there was like two venues in one like two stages in one sort of vibe. oh it
1: might have been there the was, starlight room maybe
2: cool that sounds about right yeah yep, that sounds sounds like it so yeah, really, but we had a great time. We stayed there, and, but again, January in in Edmonton <laughs> is very different than January in, in in Los Angeles. You know, we were, we, were, and, so we were, and we were driving. And, you know, again, because we we're Californians, we, we were like, oh yeah, well, let's get a car, we'll drive around. Yeah. But there's there's ice and there's yeah, it's
1: cold. am not looking I'm not <laughs> looking forward to the winter. Uh, last one was tough on me. I I must admit, but I what I was going to say is I've been feeling self conscious because uh because of my experience. I recently said to someone uh, that uh, uh, they are they are from New Zealand. They were on the show and they live in New Zealand. And mm-hmm. I was just relating, oh, well. like living in a relatively remote part of the world uh, means that you cherish uh, concerts and events maybe a bit more when people come through. You're there, and I kind of said something like Edmonton was like that, and I felt badly because it is a huge, it is for a, it's a big Canadian city. Bands like you do come through. But and I have just sort of not been going to stuff uh, since we moved here because there's been the pandemic, and I haven't felt that comfortable. I've gone to like a couple of things. Uh, oh yeah. so all I'm getting at is I just wanted to this has nothing to do with you. I'm glad you I'm <laughs> glad you liked Edmonton and I will say people do come to Edmonton. It's not as remote as maybe I. I mean at the same time, no age is booking a tour. You're probably going to play Toronto and Montreal and Vancouver for sure. But the flyover part of Canada, if you will, the same as like the middle America. You're not as likely necessarily. You guys would. You tour hard. But some people would skip it. That's probably true, right?
2: It's tough. I mean, I feel like, you know, the the promoters are aware of this. Type of scenario as well, so they'll put on these festivals and they'll invite people, you know, to, to sort of come. I think that's really been our experience. The routing, you know, for the the land big drives of of you know, it's 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 tough. It's tough to yeah. get everywhere so in a, in a car, but for, you know, and especially on a on a Sunday night, yeah. you know. But you would, I don't know. It's it's I think it's it really comes down to drive times with a lot of things. I remember asking people like because you could kind of I'm looking at the map here. You could do Calgary <laughs> off of. Um, Maybe Boise or Bozeman or something, you know, it's, it's about, it's a good, it's a good 12. Yeah. You, you really don't want to be in a van more than 12 hours between shows. And that's where it just gets tricky. If you're within that, you know, that, that if you're within 12 hours of another city, your chances are, you know, you hopefully get somebody five hours even. Yes. Right. That's kind of the idea. So you try to, you try to you know um, leapfrog from one spot to another because Vancouver to Calgary that that looks like you're going over a mountain pass and that's maybe what about eighteen it's hours?
1: A, uh, that seems sixteen. S- is that that much? I'm still not. I don't. That feels like a yeah, lot.
2: I could be wrong. I, I, it's a, it's, I'm, I'm adding an extra five because of mountain. I, I've done mountainies.
1: They so usually yeah. I've done uh, I've down. done that touring myself and I can't even remember because it's a blur. But uh, some okay. like yeah. It's it's long. Yes, that's yeah. about right. I think that you yeah. are actually right. Yeah. So. All this to say, I mean... I'm happy you had a good experience in in Alberta, and and that bodes well for you potentially coming back at some point. If it,
2: oh, we'd love yeah. to, we'd love to. Yes, yeah. Please, anybody, <laughs> anybody that's listening to this and is throwing shows anywhere in can, or any remote places, if you if you think you can get enough of your friends together to make it all make sense, you know what I mean, yeah. just in the sense of like, you know, we don't want to, you know, drive for two days and play there for for f- five friends unless they're all very wealthy friends <laughs> and want to pay us a lot of money for our troubles. <laughs> but um, but if you know you got you got you know 50 to 100 people who'd be interested in seeing us please contact us we are very open and contactable when we want to come to your town you need an audience of five point.
1: people who each own those 10 million dollar houses i think that's what you want there we and go they, yes. just, <laughs> yeah. they when they pass the hat it's a full hat yeah that's what i yeah it's it's a lot of fun yeah, yeah.
2: we've we've never done one of those but i believe those do exist somewhere <laughs> those, I mean, some sh- i've heard tale of of the yeah those weird private shows for shadow things. underground really, Network. yeah but you know what was fun though? You bring up, and I know I'm I'm going on so many tangents. I'm going to talk about this record here. But um, <laughs> but I will say you brought up New Zealand, and was was really fun last time we were in New Zealand. We were very fortunate, you know, to get to. I, I I do not discount any any opportunities to travel and see the world. I feel like they've they've filled my life beyond any of my craziest imaginations or hopes or dreams of being able to see places in the world. I've put my eyes on things and experienced things that only because of music. So I'm very very. Very thankful and grateful for those experiences. Yeah. Um, and, and this isn't a bad story, but but we, you know, we were in New Zealand and it was really fun. I think what the promoter did was sort of this exact thing. He said, hey, everybody in New Zealand, we have a band here who can put together, you know, who wants to put the shows together. And so we actually got to do, um, I think we did six shows just in New Zealand. Which is incredible, yeah. you know, because, again, it's not it's not a huge country, but we we're fortunate enough that people were, you know, could get enough people together. And we did a little fly in. So basically what all they had to do was buy us uh, the plane ticket from the city before mm-hmm. and then whatever money came from the door. You yeah. know, it's not we're not outrageously. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, we're not, we don't expect much, yeah. but just pay for us to get there. Put us up for the night. We stayed, with you know, the, but anyway, we, we stayed we, we played at a kombucha um, brewery. <laughs> And it had like a little vegan cafe in the front and they brewed their own kombucha on the back and they had a little stage set up there. Hmm. So the, the, the flight I think was literally five minutes. It was from North Island to South Island from, and and it was a small town, but we, a five minute plane. Yeah. And the the, (laughs) the air, the the airports were very small. It was a very small plane. And we literally, we got on the plane and I, I I took um, a video of it. I just put the mic, my, camera up against the window yeah. and just filmed We literally from, you know, you're there an hour before. So you got to go, you know, get all your bags on and stuff yeah. and then you land, you got to pick up your bags. But the the flight was like, you're up in the air, you go over the water and you can see the next Island as soon as you take off. And then you come right back down and we landed. And the, and this great couple picked us up and took us to their kombucha brewery and we ate great food and we played to, you know, maybe that was 40 or 50 you know, people who were curious, not everybody knew who we were. And then we stayed at their house that night and the next morning got on another plane and jumped around. So I it was, but it was beautiful. That's it's lovely. a great way of seeing, seeing a country that, you know, not many people really get to visit like yeah. that. And, uh, yeah, we, we loved it. And then I think we, we got all the way down to, D- uh, Dunedin. Mm-hmm. It was like one of the southernmost towns there and home of, uh, Flying Nun Records and, uh, yeah, it's
1: beautiful. It's gorgeous. Well, that's that's lovely. The the a five minute plane ride, by the way, these days I believe is known as the Taylor Swift commute. So you <laughs> yes, guys are right. living the the high life there for a little bit. No, no, that's yeah. amazing. Uh, uh, yeah, the guest I'm referring to is. Uh, Brett McKenzie, uh, are you familiar with Flight of the Conchords? Oh yeah, 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 of course, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: We were label mates for a time at Sub
1: That's correct. So uh, Brett uh, was saying that uh, the funny thing about bands coming from away to New Zealand is they're often exhausted because it's a bit of a <laughs> it's a bit of an add on. <laughs> they play Australia and then they're just completely they're so disoriented and wiped out. He said oh his experience seeing bands they often just looked completely <laughs> wiped out and like what are we doing? It's like oh my god! And so I love that you had such a positive. And I, I think he also said they often would just play Auckland or Wellington and then if one or the other sometimes like if, if the yeah we were talking about sort of bigger um, artists I guess like David Bowie or something sure. right right anyway he's like they might play one or the other and you decide if you're gonna if it's worth driving all the way across the. Country to see the the band anyway it, that's uh, lovely I think you you probably had it the best so that's awesome I also yeah, think this is a this it. is a nice segue I think into the can do DIY ethos that I think uh, your band in oh. particular. Uh, is sort of known for, and so I bring us back to the beginning. Yes, if we can. Thank you. Yes, no problem. Look at that
2: bridge. I'm we trying to walk over this bridge together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's
1: you. like a five minute flight. So, uh, <laughs> no. So, uh, can we talk about uh, a little bit uh, the origin story of No Age? Oh uh, yes. Uh, yeah, where did No
2: Age start? Yeah, with yes. you and
1: Dean. I just I'm curious because again, those of us who know the history uh, a little bit know what I'm saying is true. You guys are have long been sort of self-propelling. You believe in what you're doing. You believe in ideas. But where did this all come from? Tell me about The Origin of No Age.
2: Yeah. So so I met Dean going to shows. Like I said, I was a very avid showgoer in my teen and 20 years. And I just was, you know, I was uh, it was like a religious experience, I think, seeing a band. It, it, and still is, you know, seeing a, a, a band and just kind of being washed with loud sounds and just the excitement and the viscera of, you know, being in an audience and, and, um, so I would go to shows all the time and Dean was very, of a similar sort of mindset. He was always going to shows and driving around Southern California trying to find new bands, new interesting things to, to do. And, and, and so we, we met through a friend and we, you know, kind of said, we, you, you guys seem like you like similar weird music. You guys should play together. Yeah. And, um, so I'd always seen, but Dean also was a very, he was very much the self-propelled, you know, um, DIY person. He was, he was already putting on shows as well as like, uh, writing zines with his friends. And he would go stand out in front of shows mm-hmm. and sell zines, mm-hmm. you know, sell his like kind of poetry and sort of photography and sort of thing. And so he was very socially, um, confident and, and <laughs> I was a little bit more introspective, I think. And, but I would, but Dean stood out because he was, I would see him around in front of shows, passing out flyers, selling stuff and just kind of being a cool guy where I was a little bit more bookish and just was excited to, being amongst people
1: but you were both at the s- same shows like you saw him doing yes. the so just yes. just before yeah, yeah. just before we move past that because i feel like there's something in there that might have inspired <laughs> dean to think he could do those things what kinds of shows would you see him at uh like in terms of who was playing or what was the milieu that made him think i can do what i'm doing out front and also we can be a part of this culture can you dial
2: into that yeah, I mean just, just from knowing Dean as long as I've known him. I you know, I can't speak exactly for him. I can't I mean you sure, know, I'm not of in course. his head, but sure. but as long as I've known him, you know, I think he really embraced, you know, I think the the Discord, uh minor threats, Fugazi, Ian Mackay, um mantra of really you know of doing it yourself and i think he he um springboarded you know that was sort of his um his his launching point I'm like oh yeah look you said you know start your own band Do you know put i there's a label i put out my friends and he's like oh i'm gonna start a label i'm gonna start booking shows so i think he really was inspired by that wow. um that ian MacKay spirit so,
1: so so i don't know if you know this about me but that's my favorite so Fugazi is my favorite band, and I saw them a bunch. And, oh, okay. And Ian is uh, definitely uh, my, one of my main lodestars, or whatever you want to say. And
2: uh, yes, right. For I think for a lot of us of this of this era, how how old are I'm, you? I'm I'm
1: a, I got a few years on. Yeah, I'm going to be uh, what am I right now? I'm 44 right now. So oh, okay, there you go. Uh, become yeah, I'm 41. Oh, they, yeah, yeah. You mentioned that. So like I said, I got a couple years yeah. on. Yeah. No, that band and getting to know those guys uh, has been such a huge. Uh, a huge inspiration That's to great. me just
2: have you had ian on the show
1: yeah ian's been on this sh- this yeah ian and i have done uh, dozens of well not dozens but probably 12 15 interviews over the uh last 20 wow. years and been on this particular uh show uh twice yeah he uh, has always been very friendly and kind to me and uh we have lots of mutual friends and uh yeah i'm still Amazing. rather in touch with uh uh, you know I've talked about this on the show before but yes gee and I often have basketball text exchanges we both oh, we watch wow. basketball together uh, in a sense and uh, <laughs> we're like did you see that what the hell was that and so we kind of like uh yeah we do, yeah and brendan and I are, are friendly still and uh joe I don't talk to as much Amazing. anyway yeah those guys uh yeah. <laughs> sorry I didn't mean to do this I just wanted you to know no no no, sad, it's no, no absolute yeah. absolute same spirit uh as yep. as the dean there like that for some reason, seeing so- that's why I asked because uh, about what the things were that you were both at because that's where the possibility is when you see or attend mm-hmm. something like that or see what someone's done that can get you going and Drag City I will say I have a similar feeling about uh, I was just had a call with Will Oldham the other day just to catch up mm-hmm. and like Will and and David Berman is a huge one for me too like that, that those kinds of folks yeah. who just are like showed me. And sounds like it showed Dean what could be possible in our own lives through stuff they did. Uh, I just want to interject. sorry. This is a long interjection. I just want to, <laughs> no, I, I just want it. to say that's the same. I'm the same. Like this is all. Yep. we're kind of we feel like we're self-propelled, but it's really seeing for me anyway. Other people uh, do exemplary things. And then I think I can try to do something like that. So it sounds like maybe Dean had that same frame of mind. Is that what you're getting at?
2: I think so yeah but and it's and it's interesting because I think it's you know I think there's a, a certain amount of external engine that that sort of, of course, comes to that yeah. the idea you know it's like I could book shows I could book you know or I could put out records like these are things I could release outside of myself yeah. where I think I kind of came to fugazi somewhere in in Later high school, I think my my earlier, I think so. Dean kind of had a minor threat, and yep. you know, um, early discord sort of stuff. That was his, um, you know, sort of jumping off point for a lot of music and the thing that really was the lightning bolt to his head. And I had a little bit of a, a of a noisier, introspective sort of uh, a launch into music and creative interests. I um I discovered uh, Sonic. Well, it was for, obviously, Nirvana was sort of you know yep. the the, the You know, the star of of that of that time. And so, you know, had had Nirvana. And I think through Nirvana and sort of reading music press, I discovered Sonic Youth. Mm -hmm. And that was the band that I think really tweaked my brain somewhere, you know, in adolescence about, you know, eighth grade, go, you know, 13, going in 14 And that was the sort of like, oh, it's not just a flannel and a pair of ripped jeans. This isn't just a a, you know a look you could buy somewhere. The 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 Sonic Youth thing I think embodied a a change in in perspective or point of view about about the nature of music and they're they're not even notes. It's sounds. It's it's all sound is valid. It was kind of abstract expressionist sort of approach. I don't think I clearly identified it at that point, but it was something from, you know, Jimi Hendrix who, yeah. you know, I'd kind of heard on the classic radio yeah. and like, Oh, there's feedback. I'm like, wait, these guys did a whole but that was the intro and the outro or something, you know, the freak out at the end. But I was like, these guys make a whole, song just out of the freak out parts or that's yeah. sort of how my brain interpreted totally it,
1: visceral at the, right at that time it was visceral yeah.
2: yeah heart yeah but yeah. there was but it somehow was still moving you know yeah. and I, I i can see it now i understand you know the structure of it but at the age i literally i think i had goo on tape and it, and it upset me to the point where I'm like this isn't allowed this isn't i can't just do this this is <laughs> not that i had any classical training or any mind but i just think my mindset didn't have a space and and i'm sure it's true for a lot of people you know a lot of people's minds aren't there's not a, 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 room that has space in it to, to, to listen, to, to enjoy, to allow that music, that type of music in, you know, just, it's your so it's quickly associated, it lights up other parts of your brain and go, Oh, that sounds like in, like the sound of a car backing up, or that sounds like a train wreck, or, you know, these kind of things, those euphemisms people say, but, cause it's just because there's no language for it. There's not a spot. Yeah. You
1: know, those harmonic, uh, chords and dirty boots. Uh mm-hmm. I, that's like one of the first things I learned how to play on guitar after the first thing I think I learned how to properly play on guitar was Come As You Are by Nirvana. Ooh, and then that's a good one. then I was then Ba-da-dum- I I I think I may have played it wrong, but that's the first time I'm like wait a minute. That's all this is and then you know, i I've just told the story the other day. I think the next thing might have been the, you know, the song "Money," like the na 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 na. Very similar to coming. Sort of, mind, of similar. Right? Yeah. So those are the first yeah. things. But then yeah. someone showed it's a walking me walking line. Yeah, someone yeah. who is better than me showed me how to play. What I think I maybe I'm saying this wrong, but I think they're harmonic uh, chords up and down the, the neck. octave. Octave. That's Something what like I'm an octave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. octave. Yeah. Sorry, I was using. I knew I was yeah. using the wrong word. Yeah, those octave chords. Yeah, I learned that. Yeah. And, uh, blew my mind. Like, that didn't seem, yeah. that, I didn't know what that was. And the notion that, and again, I'm not a skilled guitar player, but for those who don't know what an octave is, uh, in my case, the way I will explain it is, it's like playing a power chord, but you don't, the, the, uh, string, uh, there's a string between the two that you're, uh, fretting that is that is open uh is that a way to explain it yeah you're right yeah sure
2: yeah it's 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 a low note and a high note right it's basically it's, it's the same note um one full uh scale removed right you know I mean. exactly so, yeah. that's but but they're very but they're also i think i think where, where you're trying to you know dance around <laughs> is they're very easy to play they, it's 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 two fingers yes and you can yes sort of play but, yeah. but you're playing
1: yeah. in that song i think you're playing three strings with with two fingers are fretting uh, you got a finger fretting yeah. one string finger fretting another I think it's a it's the A string and then uh, anyway I'm not going I'm not very good at this yeah. anyway I learned that and I was like what the all I really want to get at here Randy is you and I and Dean sound exactly the same <laughs> same page exact yes. same Sonic Youth, seeing them yeah. in like the, the mid 90s changed my life and we would go see them that's one of the bands when I was talking about going to, to Toronto to see shows we saw Sonic mm. Youth so many times as teenagers. <laughs> I saw Fugazi when I was 17. Like, can you imagine? Yes. Like, just like...
2: I I can exactly... I saw Fugazi when I was also 17. Yeah. I can exactly imagine that. So you
1: yep. saw them probably, by the sounds of it, based on our year, you saw them around 98, I think? Uh, Yep. I saw them in... 17, That's right. Yep. I saw them in 95 mm. for the first time, and then I there saw them up. five times when I was... Uh, in 1998, so I was uh, 21. <laughs> anyway, they... Uh, all I'm getting at is, sorry, I keep interjecting. All I wanted is, no, we are the same. Good. We're the same people. We'd probably be I friends so. if we lived in the same town. We'd go to the shows. <laughs> sorry, please continue. Yep. Uh, I forget what of the course. thread was, but please, hopefully you can pick it up.
2: Oh, it the, oh yeah, yeah. So the, the, the upstartness of it all. So yeah. so I, I think what I was alluding to is Dean had a very extroverted thing, which is awesome. And it helps our band. and helps me in my life still to this day, his amount of extroversion. Um, my intro version I think kinda of resulted in um, me getting a four track in nineteen ninety four. Mm-hmm. And um, and oh so so in Sonic Youth also led into things like My Bloody Valentine yep. and Yola Tango and um tortoise or you know things of this kind you know and pavement and things like that and so I was very turned on to a type of music that what doesn't necessarily have a punk ethos and there wasn't necessarily a self-releasing label thing but there was a self-recording and and self-writing like you could just write any weird song you wanted and so I got very excited about just kind of collecting junk you know keyboards and just yeah. weird you know uh, amps and guitars and just my dad was also an electrician so I had a, a certain amount of um, fear Fearlessness with just plugging stuff in and see what happens. I wasn't afraid. If something caught fire, you know, it, it, we could fix it still. I, was, I wasn't so afraid of that kind of stuff. And, Wait a minute. Um, is
1: your dad being an electrician genetic? Or you're just like, if I blow something up, dad's nearby? What do you...
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, right, right. No, he would he would set little... We, we would we would build little circuits, you know, as, as a okay. kid, as, exp- as science experiments on the coffee table. Like, here's a 9-volt battery. Here's the wire, and it goes to a light bulb. Look, when you press uh, these wires together, the light lights up. So I understood the, the basic you know, idea of, of, of it and was afraid enough of, of major electricity, but not, I don't know. It was, it was, it was, I guess I just, I mean to say that when someone said, oh, this thing's broken, I'm going to throw it away. I'd be like, hold on, hold on, let me take it. And if I couldn't fix it, my dad could fix it you know and so i would i would collect weird little things and just in the sense of experimental sounds like maybe it's going to make a weird sound yeah. i don't know i'll spend an hour yeah. fucking with this thing sorry i don't know if i can cuss but i'll you, spend an hour cuss, messing with this thing fine. and seeing what happens <laughs> and uh yeah and um you know what i mean just to just to see what sounds it would make i'm I've, I've so glad i got to an age where i could afford new equipment and so i wasn't constantly <laughs> when i got to a point where i don't have to rewire things all the time and solder and i just like oh i'm just gonna buy a new one yeah it's just easier
1: well as someone growing up around all that uh, talk and uh, experimentation with electricity i imagine based on the bands you just described or uh, or uh, alluded to uh, most of whom by the way also have been on this show or i'm a fan of so that's pretty amazing in itself uh, for me again we're friends my other yes, pi- yeah. pi- my point though is uh, someone interested even uh, basically in electricity i wonder if that's a gateway to uh, distortion texture it sounds like you are more, almost more interested in texture than um, I, I. don't know how else to put it. Theory, if you will. Like, what does, what are do these, right. what can, yes. what kinds of sounds, different kinds of sounds can these conventional things make? And if I'm going to put a bow on this, isn't it crazy that they all are plugged into the wall? The wall is <laughs> is the same, but anything I add to it changes the electricity in a sense. Like the juice has been changed by what. I I'm this is getting too hokey, but you know what I'm saying? There's something going on there
2: probably. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't want to learn how to write a song, but I wanted to learn how to make crazy sounds. Yes. I think was my early sort of lightning bolt moment. And, and again, like I say, and and I guess this is in reference to the idea of, you know, where Dean wanted to put out records. He wanted to book a show for his friends. I didn't know. I had no interest. And still to this day, I don't, really have a ton of interest or knowledge or, or excitement about that kind of stuff. It's like, but again, but you could bring me a, a you know, you want to talk about speakers or, or old, you know, equipment. Like I could talk about that for hours yeah. and whereas Dean may just be like, I don't know that thing's broken or that thing's weird. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so it's good. We balance each other out in that regard. Yeah. Um, I'll talk about microphones and guitars and pedals and electricity. But, but oh, so, but as a kid, yeah, it's like I had things like, so the idea, I had little bad practice amps that I, that worked kind of and sounded weird and you'd have to hit it. And then I would, um, I, I would, Figure out, like, oh, if you plug in the, the input to the headphone out, it would create this kind of like, um, what's the right word for, I'm spacing on the correct term of it, but it would create this uh, feedback loop. Right. Basically. Yeah. And it, so I just plug the amp into itself. And, it was, and then you turn the tone. I would kind of have this like, um, <laughs> oscillator. I Oso- guess oscillation. oscillation. Is the idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, so I was creating an oscillator with these little pad practice amps. And, um, I remember I traded a friend, uh, a Raging Against the Machine CD for his practice amp. I was like, I got such a better deal for this. I could give a shit about Raging Against the Machine, but now I have this weird amp with the headphone out and a thing. And so. That's awesome. And then I put screws on it and I wore the amp as a, um, as like a guitar. Yeah. So I was just playing the amp. As, and then I would plug that amp into then another amp and make it even louder and screechier and weirder. And, and if you moved the, the cables in and out, like halfway in, halfway out, it would make even weirder sounds. Right. And, and so I had a lot of fun with that and then especially and then I had the four track so then I could play some rudimentary chords but and then play this modulated crazy thing over it and then eventually got a four or four sampler where I'd you know I'd sample a, a, a 60s bossa nova record and I'd have a little beat going under that and so I had to these and I just had I still have them shoe box and shoe boxes full of these types of sampled noise, badly played guitar with, you know, there's something, <laughs> there was something to that. I remember, I remember hearing, um, animal collective for the first time. Yeah. I was like, that, that's what I'm doing. You know, I think they do, they do it too, you know, I think, you know, Dave and Noah obviously could sing and harmonize. They had the much, they were further down the pathway. Yeah. But I recognized Kindred Spirits as well. Like, oh yeah, like bedroom folk noise sample jams. Of course. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's like, and when I was, so- and I was shocked, like, people like this stuff? <laughs> like, how does any, anybody- this is a, this is a popular form of music. I mean, this is the weird stuff. And I think, you know, I don't know if you've interviewed those guys, but they come from a similar sort of, they, uh, know, they, uh, they, I was invited, they just of, played here.
1: They just played here, oh, cool. and, and yeah. uh, I was invited to the show by the band, but I was not able to attend. And then I said, oh. "Well, sorry." I said, uh, "I'm still not like I said earlier. Sorry, I'll just oh, be yeah. honest with you. I'm not going to say sorry. I think there's a lot to be concerned about." I just said, "Yeah, I still can't do it. I don't want to take a chance on that." And and I said, "Hey, do you want while you're around? Uh, did you guys want to do like a an outdoor interview somewhere?" And they said, "Well, no, we're bubbling." I was like, okay, so Fine. you... <laughs> you want me to come to your show, not Bubble, but I can't. You, yeah, you yeah. come to well, the show the and, and, and with a crowd of people. Yeah. I'm not... It was very lovely. They're very nice. We've I, They reached yes. out to me in yeah. the last few years to ask some questions, and I've, I've only seen them uh, once myself, but uh, they heard tell of me and, and reached out, so it's been very <laughs> nice. Uh, but no, uh, I think... Again, I don't mean to force a segue on us, but everything you're talking about in terms of your origin story I think is a nice enough segue into people helping people because all that sense of experimentation and discovery, I think there's a bit of a narrative around this record about it being the first one that you guys have
2: produced yourselves and recorded yourselves. Is that accurate, first of all? Uh, Yes. Yeah, I think really meaning from the from from soup to nuts, right? From top to bottom. Yes. This is a complete Dean and Randy joint. We did bring in our, our um, front of house engineer and, and all around sort of Sonic uh, compatriot, Scott Cornish to, to give a listen and notes, you know, on mixes just to make sure we weren't, blowing anything technically yeah i think you know wasn't and and there was a song tripped out before scott that is named after this particular scott cornish mm-hmm. and he the the funny thing of it was because he gave us some notes about how to technique the way tech things technically should sound and the frequency range and the general parameters that we weren't really you know conscious of or caring of. Yeah. Um, and so he gave us these notes and then the, the song, you know, just been a working towel tripped out because it was a tripped out kind of drum pattern. And then he gave us notes and I did his notes. I made, you know, the mix according to what would sound appropriate mm-hmm. or, or technically correct. And then we just, and we AB them and we decided we liked this version of the song before Scott. <laughs> the, uh, the one we did before, so Tripped Out Before Scott is a very literal kind of working name <laughs> that we've just been calling that song. And then so we, but then we thought it sounded kind of nice as a, as a literary kind of title. Yeah, it was super fun. So yeah, we made this whole record and it was a weird one because we started before COVID and then we, um, we had a studio in downtown LA where we practiced. It was kind of our headquarters, studio practice, recording, all around, kind of fun hangout place. And, uh, and then our friends, but we didn't own it. We rented a room there and our friends owned the building, our friend and his brothers. And, um, not too long into the COVID lockdown, they just said, the world's changing. We're going to probably just going to put this place up for sale pretty soon. So everybody should go uh, ahead and okay. get out, yeah. you know, but it was a fun spot like tune day from TV on the radio had a, had a little studio space there and a lot of other records have been made there. I know uh, Kim Gordon recorded a record with Alex Nost there. Oh, nice. And there, yeah. there, yeah, there'd been a bunch of friends It kind of, it was a sort of all around sort of fun place to be. So once we left there, then I, uh, I, I, you know, very humbly asked my wife if she, if she really needed that garage thing, you know, <laughs> the place where she parked her car and we kept all the, the Christmas decorations. I was like, do you need all of it though? Like, what do we, I mean? What if I just like moved all that stuff that you don't know that I have downtown, all that equipment and guitars into our garage. Yeah, And she's, you know, she foolishly said yes. And therefore the, <laughs> this, this new, this new sort of uh, playground man, child, um, place very, not too, not too different than the, the, you know, the, If my 14-year-old self could have afforded all this stuff, this is exactly what my bedroom would have looked like. I remember very, very, very well. It stands out in my head as as a teenager, as a 14, 15-year-old, I had a friend, a girl, we weren't we were dating, but she was a friend. She came over to my room and she's like, It looks like Radio Shack threw up in here. <laughs> and that stuff I had I didn't really even have much of a bed. I wanted I remember telling my friends like, Can we get rid of all this furniture and beds and stuff? Like I need more room for equipment and for for stuff and weird things in here. And so I had like a day bed, which is kind of a small yeah. like couch, yep. you know, sort of thing, and I just slept with my feet through the bars by choice. It wasn't my parents were horrified by this, but I was like, No, I don't need to sleep I only sleep for a few hours. I wanted more time to work on stuff in here that's a, and that's, that's like incredible movie, sci-fi movie posters and a little tv with a vhs collections of weird movies yeah. and lots of recording equipment and samplers and things and stuff so that was so yeah looking around now i have the yeah all these years later i've just come back to where i began sounds
1: like you've always been this way that's that's hilarious and amazing and and touching actually you (laughs) you knew you knew who you were sad a little bit no you knew who you (laughs) were i think that's That's, good that's true
2: that's true. i think this i think dean could the same could be said for him too i think you know the dean at 14 is not too far off from where his you know from where he's at now yeah either and i think there's something there is something and again not to you know I feel very fortunate, you know, and, and and there's nothing against growing up. I think that's a, a very mature thing to do. And I've, I'm sure in some ways I hopefully have matured to some degree, but I've, I've um, vehemently uh, fought and held on to some, uh, you know, young idealistic wonder. I hope is the kind of, how I look at it and curiosity. Absolutely. That's yeah. ultimately what drives these things and makes a record like people helping people. It wasn't, was it wasn't a record we could set out to make. I don't think there's, you know, if you had to, put together a pitch deck for a project and name your references and what it would be and this whole you know like I don't know if you're involved if you're involved in professional creative services like that but a lot of times you know before people give you money to make something they want to see a whole plan and a whole yeah. uh, blueprint yeah. and a and a map of how this thing is going to go and that's not at all how Dean and I have ever worked. You know, we sort of set out with a vibe or a feel that we kind of have or, or an interest in the sound or curiosity in a process. And so this record kind of is the fruit of that, our our latest sort of curiosity and experimental um, ways, ways of processing sounds and thinking. So we sat down and recorded at the old studio. We recorded maybe about six hours of just sounds. Mm -hmm. Some of it was Dean playing uh, samples and I was affecting them or he would affect Them and I'd play guitar and he'd affect the guitar. He'd play drums and I'd put effects on the guitar or on the drums and play along. So we just kind of collected about six hours of material. And from that, I think based, and, the, and again, it's a sort of the pendulum swing, which I think a lot of bands do. We're not unusual in that regard, but um, the love record we did before goons be gone. was a fairly, we wrote a record. We wanted to go play out on the yeah. road. And so we wrote it the way we would play it. You know, we were sort of sat down with the guitar and drums and, and then embellished it in overdubs and things, but mostly it was written to be played and performed you know, in a more straightforward traditional band context. And then, and so because of that, we felt like, what if we just get weird with this next one? And so, uh, as often so many, you know, good intentions, good, good things start out like, what if we just got weird, man? And then, but that can mean so many things to so many people and can go horribly awry. And, um, in, in many contexts, but anyway, so we took a bunch of material. we, and then we'd call it down, like, okay, there's a few good ideas there, a few good ideas there, but then we were constantly, Dean is a great editor. I think one of his skills is, you know, is, uh, is and not, you know, it's, it, as a musician, it's not often talked about, but that's, it's the things you don't play. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's the, it's an important thing. I think that all bands do, but you have to throw out the stuff that's not good. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's no, um, there's, there's no slight in that. I think, you know, I, I look at my role a lot of times as just generator, synthesis, you know, synthesizer, just bring stuff and sounds and things and throw it at him. And he can weave in, he has a, he has a a knack and a vision, I think, for like, yes, this, no, that, yes, this, no, that. And then that kind of helps me then go through like, cool, okay, now we've whittled down from, you know, four hours of music to now we have about 30 minutes of music. Cool. let's, Let's see what we can do with that. And we build from there and kind of embellish those things and make those better. So that's sort of the, the way this record came about was a lot of, big ideas and then I would just kind of mess around with them, you know, and and, and I've gotten I've fairly proficient or at least, you know, uncommonly comfortable with editing on Pro Tools. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 so I would take a lot of his drums or voice or anything, any kind of sound, and I'd find the loop and I'd kind of, you know, build loops out of things, you know, in in a very kind of tape loopy sort of way. I I know there's easier ways to do this, but I, I, for some, I've like just locked into a, a pro tools cut, cut and paste collage right. um, process. Yeah. And so a lot of the songs were sort of had elements of that in there for better or worse. And that's sort of how this record came about with, and I think we would, you know, we were making fun of ourselves. Like, it, you know, we're doing so many loops and things and, you know, and, and ways that we'd, you know, sort of reference like nineties electronica, like someone like tricky or, Absolutely. or something. Yeah. So it sounded yeah. like that kind of world. And I think we're, you know, we would, there were, there were a few tracks that, you know, had working titles like, you know, but we don't know what, we're not from that. We're not from a drum and bass ba- British background, obviously, or even fans necessarily of that. But we just felt like just the terms we were using these drum loops and these bleeps and bloops and things yeah. we were using it. But, but what came out, I don't think, has any regard for that genre of stuff. doesn't necessarily sound like that. It still sounds like us, yeah. but I think the techniques were much more in the vein of that.
1: So uh, my understanding is that lyrically uh, Dean is, is principally uh, responsible for what is being said. And I'd ask you to verify that in a moment. What I also wanted to wonder about though, there is uh, uh, how collaborative or even like based on conversations you've had together uh, do you find uh, the, the the actual lyrics uh, are they related to anything you discuss together, or is it just Dean goes away and comes back, and
2: you're like, huh, I don't know what the hell's going on there, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> most times, m- most times I hear the lyrics for the first time is when he's recording them. Oh, okay. And I'm, and I'm and I would say I'm always pleasantly surprised. Like, wow, that was fucking great. Where did he come up with that shit? Yeah. So that's mostly what it is. Um I I'll, I'll even set him up. I guess I can talk, speak more to the technical side, right? That's where I I one of the reasons we did this record this way is because I've slowly been building up, you know, nice mic preamps and a, and a decent, or not decent, I shouldn't say a, a fairly good starting pack of mics to sort of start recording drums and, and voices and stuff. So I'll, I'll, I'll build a signal chain for Dean and then, uh, set him up with a session and I'll just let him record his vocals on his own too. And sometimes I won't hear it till I come back and he says, yeah, can you comp track one with track three and this one, that one, and then we'll go through and we'll build a, a, a vocal track together like that. So it's it's yeah, I'm not I don't I don't know what I think I've been I've been hearing him sing a lot of these things for years and I don't know anything about them.
1: Yeah, I I just wonder if they're based on like this is I think this material would have been written uh, during a a time of tremendous uh, tumultuousness in our world. And I wondered if you picked up on any of that in here, because the phrasing is really haunting and compelling. (laughs) This record, uh, in particular, I don't know. Are you guys particular fans of the band Suicide?
2: Yes, yes. I think yeah, we played some shows with them when they were doing those kind of reunion oh. shows, and I think we we played a we played a, sh- a show in New York. It was kind of a art happening thing, like very close to the end of um, of Alan Vega's oh, time.
1: Okay, well, I, all, but, but it's, yeah, yeah, you know, we've seen them a lot. I just pick up on that that vibe a little bit more in sort of the pulsating. Uh, uh, just constant building like, of things, and then the the way vocals are employed—it's uh, not the same mm. as Suicide in that regard. But it's just—I don't know—it's almost like yeah. Uh,
2: I, I, I could see that. There's a kind of aggressive sort of punk electronic halting? Sort of thing that comes out. It's probably probably closer to to Suicide than Tricky or. Uh, That's where or I was. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting you said <laughs> Tricky
1: because yeah, some of the bleeps and bloops and and synthesized beats. Yes. But I actually hear a little more makeshift nature in it. And uh, yes, even, yeah. even sort of, I don't think the tempos are erratic necessarily, but they're a bit odd uh, given what else is yeah. going on with your, the guitar and whatnot. Like they, It's off kilter. <laughs> and that's what I think of when I think of suicide. And then the vocals even come in sort of haltingly and surprisingly. And, and it's sort of spare language. Uh, in a, in a, like, uh, Dean has fun with violence, just saying the word violence in a way that is sort of more in the vein of like a velvet underground, uh, approach to attacking a a line. Totally. You know what I'm saying?
2: So. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I just wonder. That was a. I'll give you just a background of of the, because I can't really speak to vocals. I don't know. He's he's he does a great job. Um, but, but that song in particular, "Violence," it was a, a an earlier track that we were doing. You know, in 2019 when we started this record, and um, and we came back to it. You know, looking for material. So I sort of treated everything we had been writing and recording as just it's all material that can be you know it's all fodder for the machine right we could chop it up sample ourselves do and we've done stuff like that in the past and um yeah. but that particular song it, um we were listening to it and we weren't particularly proud or, or excited by the whole of the song but we did like an intro and uh and a like bridge into the chorus we're like those are two kind of good ideas and i think in the past what we would have done is then labored you know over those two parts and then written you know six more parts and put the, something together that didn't really resemble the first thing, but, you know, cannibalized a song. You know, that was, that, I think that's very common in, yeah. in songwriting yeah. for bands is, you know, you write something and then you hate all the parts. So you just cannibalize that intro. Remember that intro that could be good for something else. And, and you do that. But in this particular case, because we were in such a sampling cut and paste digital, all stuff is, all art is valid. All sound is valid kind of way. I literally, you know, just kind of looked at him. I was like, cool. We like this part. And I highlighted it. Cool. All right. You like that part. Okay. Highlighted that. And then I just looped it out <laughs> and I literally just took the the, <laughs> the two parts we liked from the song. I was like, what if that's the song? Yeah. And he listen. we listened to it together and he's like, fuck yeah, give me a microphone. And we did. <laughs> and he literally wrote the song, wrote the song that afternoon. You oh, know, wow. I, think he, I so the, that song in particular, I think, has a, you know, it, it speaks to the process and how different this record was and other things, but also just his inventive, you know, that, that spirit of impulsiveness of almost like yeah, first take, best so, take yeah. kind
1: of notion. Maybe. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, I think,
2: yeah. I think we got that sort of thing. And again, I think maybe it's just because it was the two of us and we didn't. And. And I guess addressing that idea too of just making a record by yourself, so There wasn't, and, you know, at, at all times, you know, most creative processes are, you're, you're, are fraught with insecurity and, and self-doubt and whatnot. And yeah. when you're in a professional studio that you're paying money for, there's an added pressure to that. And then there's usually a professional engineer or producer type person or somebody who you, who you hopefully look up to, but also maybe a little scared of and d- don't know what they're, they're sitting over there. You, you know, think they're judging you or thinking, oh boy, that guy really can't play guitar. That guy really can't sing. Oh boy, what's going on? So there's a lot of, you know, this self doubt that's included in any kind of recording process, or at least has been for us in the past. Or, you know, some of it's healthy and it gets you to, to, I want to impress that guy. Look how I'm going to sing my <laughs> note correctly, you know, and I'm going to do it again. Let's do doubles. Hey, hey, you know, and you just, you get, you get caught up in something and you come back and you hear it and you go, who the fuck made this record? How did that happen? How did we? how do why do we make this record that way and then you go well it was we were under pressure and we had to kind of get it out and it's all no at the end of the day it's all it's our record it's our fault it's our success you know we it it, it wins or loses on our shoulders and we're ultimately the ones who can put it out or not or like it or not like it but the all the stuff that goes into it you go it's good but you know it felt weird it felt awkward i don't know like that guy kept staring i at think
1: me. people who don't. don't have not been in recording situations like all your, that pressure you're talking about i think the subtext of everything you just said is time time is a force and you don't yeah. want to be you don't want to be made to feel like you're wasting a producer or engineer's time uh, and, and they might just be sitting there doing nothing until you figure stuff out and you know you're paying for all that waiting around I think the time is something that people don't, I think maybe it's more 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 well known now that uh, uh, records can feel um, a little half realized because that was the budget, that was the time they had that was the studio, that's, the, that's all the studio time a band had, we hear those stories more and have heard those stories more um, but Yeah. I think the general public, if you will, may may not as aware of these things. So I appreciate you um, talking about them. And speaking of time, I'm also mindful of our time today. Oh, gosh. Yeah. How are we doing here? No, we're fine. Everything's fine. Everything's Everything's just fine. But (laughs) all I was getting at is I I do want people to check out this album on their own, uh, People Helping People. It's really fantastic and and all those sorts of things and i think we've given them uh, a flavor and a taste of various things that have gone into it what i wanted to ask you at this point uh is future plans uh if you've got uh, a touring lined up whether edmonton's on the agenda yet or not we remains to be seen uh, <laughs> and also if if this experience has got you guys already thinking about a next uh,
2: recording um can you speak to some of those things randy Sure. Yeah. So tour has, is lined up for, uh, for October and November, mm-hmm. uh, here mostly in the States. We're doing a, a, some Midwest and East coast dates and some West coast dates. Um, uh, unfortunately Alberta has not yet been booked. <laughs> However, <laughs> January is coming up. I, we know it's a lovely time. It's a great time. in Alberta. That was the last time we were there. We, we, like I said at the beginning, you know, please anybody listening to this and any, anywhere you're at, you know, come find us. We are, yeah. you know, we're on all the social medias. It's no age LA on, on the Instagram and we're on the Facebook and I'm mostly and all that stuff so you, you know you can find me and say hey you told me on the podcast to come talk to you that'll be me so um, yeah you know we want to come play shows we want to come to different towns um, it's, it's just a, you know it becomes logistical at some point but um, but yeah so we have a tour set up and then um, hopefully Europe next year and some more parts of the world next year again you know things were it's like like you've noted you know the pandemic isn't really over no so it's still difficult and not, uh, not, it's not we're not back to where we were prior mm-hmm to mm-hmm. this thing so it's hard to travel and yeah. you know best laid plans off go awry yes um, I also have a solo record out that just that actually just came out today oh congratulations if interested my yeah it's an ambient uh, solo record today when we're recording but you know probably <laughs> a few weeks ago when you're hearing this but if you want to go find that you know I'm Randy s Randall is that what I am on Instagram or Randy Randall on Instagram? You can, if you Google Randy Randall or try to find me, there's (laughs) records out there. I would appreciate it. If you go to my band camp, you know, go to band camp and buy from us directly from no age directly. We, I in the same little radio shack vomitorium. (laughs) I I pack up t-shirts and records all day long and and give them to my, to my post office, my postal person. So again, I guess this is kind of the plug part at the end, but yeah, if you want to check us out, you know, drag city is a beautiful label and they put out the no age records and uh, dead strange who, was Oliver from A Place to Bury Strangers? His his, sol, his solo imprint is putting out my solo record, and um, hey, all, he was just on the that, he so, was
1: on the yeah. show last year or this year. I can't remember. Isn't what, he great? Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's
2: great. Yeah. Again, again, yeah, fellow kind of gear nerd, yeah. dabbler of electronics and things. So yeah, yeah, I would love for everybody to come check it out and get in touch with us, find us, and um. Yeah, it's really excited that this record's finally out, and the world is in a, in a place where we can, you know, put records out and people will notice. We did do a record uh, before this called Goons Be Gone that literally came out, you know, at a, at a really rough time in the pandemic. We just sort of we didn't pull it because we didn't want to have a two-year-old record yeah. out there. We yeah. just thought, well, the record's come out. So there's a lot of stuff to discover, and we also have several back catalog records on Sub Pop that are really fun, that you could have a youthful. Dean's voice is, a, is about an octave or two higher. Out there. So, yeah. And, and my guitar skills are not as good as they are now. Oh, get so out of much. here. No,
1: you're great. You, you guys are great, and yeah, people should check out the back catalog. I was actually uh, just this week revisiting uh, Velcro Ripper's Wonderful. That's, uh, oh. that's early, early days. And, uh, yeah, uh yeah. I just want to, yeah, it's great. I, people should check out No Age. You've done a marvelous job plugging all the ways they can do that. So thank you, Randy. I appreciate <laughs> good, that. Okay, uh, as we're speaking, spe- so, yeah, as people are hearing this, uh, this record is going to be out on September 16th, which, as I say, as people are hearing this is in the next uh, couple of days. If we can go out on a song, uh, right now Ooh. from the record, I wonder, Randy, if you can pick one and tell us why, why you chose it.
2: Yeah, let's let's play slow motion shadow, off of People Helping People, the new No Age record on, on Drag City. <laughs> uh, it's a song that I uh, that I used all of all of my engineering wilds on and it, it just sounds like a guided by voices track oh. at the end of the day. It just it sounds like a Bob Pollard, four track, but I literally took some drums that Dean had, put them on a four track, wrote more guitar to it and, and then presented it to him as an option. Like, what do you think of this song? And he's like, this is great. So then we had to kind of dirty up his vocals to sort of sublimate him into this kind of like, um, lo-fi pop, um, sort of ditty.
1: Oh, wow. Well, that's a beautiful description and I, I think it's apt. So I'm happy to share that with people now. So let's let's just do that. This is Slow Motion Shadow from the wonderful new record, People Helping People by No Age. Randy, this was super fun. I hope you enjoyed yourself and uh, I hope we talk again someday and, and I hope I see you in Edmonton and I wish you the best of luck with everything in the future.
2: Thanks so much, Visha. I appreciate it. It's great talking to you.
0: PlushCare.com slash weight loss.
1: Well, thanks again to Randy Randall from No Age for being on the show and appearing on the 717th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcast. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for, or if you want to learn more about me, sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vshkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook or follow the show on Twitter at Vish Creative or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram at uh, Vish Khanna, at Vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast. $6 or more a month grants you access to exclusive content and you get early access to new episodes like this one. And if you're also, if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, just message me on Patreon once you've made your donation, and I'll get you one while supplies last. Uh, what else can I tell you? I think I've said I've said this many times before, but yeah, it's flexible, right? So you start at, if you started at 6 and you wanted to go up or down, you can. And people do that all the time, and I think that's cool. And it's kind of you to even consider uh, supporting this show. This is the primary source of income. Uh, for this show as I'm speaking to you a very modest Patreon so if you're into doing that supporting the show in that way please consider doing so at patreon.com slash creative control thanks again to the fine Alberta record retailer Blackbird Music which you can learn more about at blackbird.ca also want to thank Pizza Trocadero the bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in my old stomping grounds of Guelph, Ontario and uh, also I want to thank Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. I didn't do very much stomping in Hamilton. Maybe a little bit. I probably stomped over. I'm a, I, I, yeah, I, I'm a bit heavy-footed. Maybe that's too much information about me. Anyway, thanks to Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario and all those other places for their in-kind support for this show. Always uh, thanks to my uh, friend Jim Guthrie. He lends me some music. Uh, he makes this wonderful music. You can learn more about Jim at his website, jimguthrie.org. You can hear some of it right now behind me as I'm speaking. And finally, thank you for listening to this episode featuring Randy from No Age. I hope you will check out the new No Age album, People Helping People. And I hope uh, if you're new to this show, you consider subscribing to this podcast or following it and telling your friends all about it uh, to help spread the word about the show and also spread the word about No Age. Great band. Brandy was great. I really enjoyed this one. Anyway, that's it for me. Thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you very, very soon. Take care of yourselves out there. Bye for now.